It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.08 and 66 degrees outside, 66 rainy degrees outside. And as we've been alerting you all morning, the severe weather is coming. It's gone through most of northwest Atlanta and is now going through northeast Atlanta. We'll be sure to keep you updated if anything changes on that throughout the morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I am here to help you be more successful in your landscape after you dry it out this morning. Our number is 404 750 one of the things you can do, if you care to do so, if you want a, I think, a pretty informative newsletter every other Thursday, I put together a newsletter that has questions and answers and pictures of problems that people have sent to me in the previous four or five days, maybe the past four or five weeks. And the last, let's see, get the newsletter out here, see what I had in it. The last one I had was about bean beetles. Bean beetles eat up the leaves of squash and cucumbers, and they look a lot like ladybugs. And so my article is about how to tell the difference between a ladybug and a um, Mexican bean beetle that eats the leaves on your squash and beans and, and cucumbers. I also had a guy who had a question about his uh, six-foot-high, five-foot-high Japanese maple and had the weirdest pattern of damage to the leaves of the Japanese maple and finally found out that the guy was blowing debris off his deck and that was what was striking the leaves of the Japanese maple. It was a very, very curious, interesting pattern of damage to his Japanese maple. If we not had that picture and hadn't had a little bit more information from him, I never would have figured that out. So subscribing to the newsletter is an easy thing to do. You go to my website, up in the upper right-hand corner, it says subscribe to newsletter. You push the button. It takes you to the WSB registration page because they handle the zip codes and the emails for me. And I'm putting them out, and that way you can get the newsletter every other Thursday. It's completely free, by the way. There's no spamming, no anything else, just guarding newsletters every other Thursday. And the other reason, the other reason to subscribe to the newsletter is that next week I will be announcing the destination for our spring garden trip. And boy, it is going to be something interesting and fun. Just laying this out here, next Thursday, newsletter will announce the destination for our spring gardening trip and it'll be something different that you've never even thought of doing before again if you want to subscribe right there on the walterreeves.com website upper right hand corner bob's in marietta and bob has banana trees and they got holes in the leaves what's going on bob yeah first i want to apologize for my lack of breath and voice control but uh i've got two planted banana trees yeah and I found a little worm less than a half inch long was eating holes in the leaves. Wow. I've got seven or eight plants in the yard, and there's no problem with the plants in the yard. Yeah. But uh, why are they attacking the trees in the platter? Huh. And uh, is there anything I can do yeah. to put all them? Let me ask you this, Bob. Is Are the holes that are made by the caterpillars, are they, for the most part, round, circular holes, or are they sort of irregular holes that sort of trail around across the leaf surface? Kind of irregular. And when you see these worms, are they on top of the leaf or on the bottom of the leaf? Well, if I saw the worm on the full leaf, it was underneath. 
Huh. But there was a new leaf uh, sprouting out, still tightly coiled. Yeah, yeah. And the worm was just eating away at the brand new leaf that was trying to come out. The reason I'm asking those questions, Bob, is because they're two very similar creatures that can eat the leaves of ornamental plants. The rose hibiscus are the common um, victims of the rose sawfly and the hibiscus sawfly. But I guess it's possible there could be a sawfly who chews on, on banana leaves, too. And the Is banana sawfly like... looks just like a caterpillar, but it's not a caterpillar. So if I give you a caterpillar-specific insecticide and you had a sawfly, it won't hurt the sawfly in the least. And I want to be sure of what you have before I say what to do about it. So I think the safest thing for me to say, I'll give you something that'll kill both of them, caterpillar or sawfly, and that is simply, Bob, insecticidal soap. I don't think you need necessarily one of the hard synthetic insecticides, both caterpillars, small ones, and sawfly larvae, which look like caterpillars. Both of them are very easy to control with insecticidal soap. And I would just get some of that spray and and try to let that be done, let that be it. So what spray? It's called insecticidal soap. Insecticidal soap. soap. It's not the stuff you see online. Sometimes people have these crazy recipes of getting Dawn dish detergent and beer and Epsom salts and mix them all together in a tub or something like that. That's not what I'm talking about. Go to a garden center, go to Pike, and say, I need some insecticidal soap. And they have two or three brands. Safer has a brand, and Bonite, I think, has a brand as well and get the insecticidal soap that's specifically manufactured to use on plants because mixing it up in your kitchen sometimes could lead to harm to your plants. But use the commercial insecticidal soap, spray the caterpillar, spray the bottom of the leaves where you see the damage, and hopefully that will control both of them. Is that something I could get as an ace? Yeah, or ace or pike, either one's fine. Insecticidal soap. You got it. Right. That's the stuff. Okay, thank you. All right, Bob, great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Actually, you have an update on traffic. Yeah, getting reports from some of the callers now. Heavy uh, showers kind of here in the Midtown area and over Hapeville, yeah. down by the airport. Wow. But um, that severe thunderstorm warning's been extended until 745 for Newton, Morgan, Putnam, and Walton counties, again, until 745. So that includes Monroe, Social Circle, and Madison. Wow. Thanks for that little update on the weather, Ashley. Ashley, of course, during the week, this past couple of weeks, has been doing... Triple duty, I think, doing TV traffic, doing radio traffic, doing what else have you been doing around, of course, screening calls for Herman and doing the other calls you do. Yeah, TV and, and traffic for B98 when Mark Aram's right. out. But you know what's funny is, like, my mom's friends come up to any traffic reporter. This yeah. this happens a lot. Oh, you do the weather. You do the weather on that station. And I stopped correcting people years ago. I'm like, so what am I doing this morning? Like, I'm, I'm actually doing weather. You are doing weather today. But normally, Ashley does traffic. And Ashley, if you do not follow her on Twitter, you are missing something fun. Ashley has always a comment and pictures of the traffic that's going on from the DOT cameras above the highway. Follow her at Ashley Frasca WSB. Uh, on Twitter, at Ashley Frasca WSB, and you'll see a lot of good traffic information before you start out to go to work on your workday mornings. At 714, Gary is in Jenkinsburg and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hi, Gary. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hey, man. I had a question about some grass and some pecan trees. All right, uh, sure. I have, I have some very large pecan trees in my yard, and I have centipede grass around them all. Mm, okay. Uh, what can I put? I know the centipede is kind of... Snickety, something to the <laughs> point. Uh, 
about what you put on it, but what can I fertilize my pecan trees with that's not going to hurt the centipede? <sighs> Let me think here for a minute, because you're right. Persnickety is a good word. I like that, Gary. Um, centipede does not like to be fertilized very much. If it gets a lot of fertilizer, the centipede grows so fast, it gets very lush, it gets various leaf diseases, and if it's slowly growing, it doesn't have any disease. It grows great. So we don't want to fertilize the pecan tree and give the centipede more than it can handle. My feeling is, when do, when are you going to fertilize the pecans? What's your schedule for doing things? Uh, well, I was going to start pretty quick because they, they've never been fertilized before, yeah. and I want them to start uh, producing. Yeah. So, do you, do uh, you, how big are the pecans in the first place, Gary? The pecans on it now? Yeah, are they 20 uh, feet tall, 15 feet they're tall? They're not too big, and there's never anything in them. They're okay. all just hollow ones, ones that do fall. All right. Here's what I would do. do you, have you ever heard me talk about how to calculate how much fertilizer to give a pecan tree? Uh, it's like a pound per inch through it. Isn't you are it? the man. You are the man, Gary. That's exactly right. Oh. You measure the thickness of the trunk, uh, right about four feet high. And for every inch of thickness, then that's a pound of 10, 10, 10, I guess. And, of course, the better thing to do, of course, I should recommend a soil test from the University of Georgia. But for... You know, just for back of the thumb calculations, a pound of uh, ten, ten, ten for every inch of diameter, inch of uh, thickness of the of the tree trunk, and so I would do that twice a year if this was a normal situation. But for you, I would think we should cut that into four times a year, but half strength each time. So a half a pound of ten, ten, ten for every inch of thickness, but applied. Let's see, once in February, they'll be right before the growth season starts, another time in late May, another time in July, another time in September. That would be about right. So a couple of times spring and early summer, a couple of times in summer and fall, and a half a pound of 10, 10, 10 per inch of trunk thickness. And that, I think, is going to be fine for the centipede. Wouldn't be too much fertilizer for it and would be beneficial for the pecan tree, too. Do I need to go all the way out to the drip line with the fertilizer? Yep, that's where the roots are. That's where they okay. want to be. Is out where the rain drips off the leaves, right at the edge of the end of the branches. Good deal. Uh, does uh, the extension office in Griffin do yeah. that testing? Is that where? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. If you call them up and say, "Hey, how do I bring my sample in?" and they'll give you directions to the office. You know where it is there outside of Griffin. And just bring the dirt in, and uh, they'll send it off. I think it's a seven, eight dollar fee or something like that. And it'll come back to you within four or five days. All right. Well, very good. I thank you. Thank you much. Hey, Gary. Good luck with it, man. Enjoy the pecans. We'll see you soon. Right, bye bye. We got Sam in Auburn who's joining us. Hey, Sam. Good morning. How you doing? You know what, Sam? Let me do do me a favor, please. I have just looked at my cal at my clock here and found out that I am off the break time. So I'll put you on hold, and we'll come back to you right after we have a little break here. All right? All right, sounds good. All right, hold tight, Sam. It's six eighteen, seven eighteen. Excuse me, it's seven eighteen. We'll be right back after this. Get breaking news, weather, and traffic updates all weekend on WSB, the WSB Radio app. Then Monday at Atlanta's Morning News, Kirk Mellis updates a stormy start to the week with his five day forecast. He gets up before the dawn, packs a lunch and a thermos full of coffee. It's another day in the dusty haze, those burning rays are wearing down his body. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Of course, we're following the severe thunderstorm warning for Walton, Newton, Putnam, and Morgan counties until 745 this morning. 
keep an eye out because the weather is strong. It is coming through with high winds and trees is a possibility of falling down over highways and over your home. So be careful. High today of 89 degrees, low of 71 tomorrow, about the same, 89 and 72 degrees tomorrow. And, of course, the tone that you hear during the broadcast this morning just as a warning or as a notification, there is a severe thunderstorm warning for pieces within our broadcast area. So if you hear it, that's what it means. Be careful. Look outside. Be aware of the weather. It's pretty severe today. Sam is in Auburn, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Sam. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Sam. What's up? Uh, ten years ago, my wife and I planted a yellow sugar maple in our front yard and we moved into our house. Yeah. And uh, I recently got a job offer in West Virginia that was thinking about okay. going. And I was wondering if you knew the average price about moving trees. Whoa, from here in Georgia to West Virginia? Well, I, I mainly just need somebody to get out of the yard. Why do you want to move it? Why Why wouldn't you leave it with the house? It's kind of special to it. Oh, Sam. Yeah. Oh, 20 feet tall. I, um, Sam, I don't care how much money you're going to make in West Virginia. It's not enough to move that tree. Really? Yeah, it's going to cost way much money. I went to what a, about what about just to get it out of the ground? To get it out of the ground is uh, in the couple three hundred to five seven hundred. Depends on sort of where it is and how hard it is to get the tractor in with the tree spade to move it. Uh, it's it's in the front yard. There's nothing else around. All right, that'd make it cheaper <laughs> and easier. Um, there are a couple of people in Atlanta who do it, uh, who do tree moving. And if you just Google to say tree moving Atlanta, their their names will pop up. I can't remember any phone numbers right offhand. But I think that you're going to, if you want to move it, if you feel like you just have to move it out of the yard and put it someplace else that's special, you can do it. But it's not going to be a hundred dollars at all, Sam. It'll be several hundred dollars to get it done. All right. But- you popped my bubble, but it's okay. All right. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for calling, Sam. We'll see you, man. Have a good one. Coming up in the next half hour, the perennial every weekend question, how do I control bamboo? And then Gary in Stone Mountain wants to know how, how to control nimble will. We'll find out about that as well. This is Lawn and Garden. We'll be back right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 736 and 66 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I'm here to help you be more successful in your landscape. All you have to do is call me at 404-872-0750. Ashley Frasca is here screening calls. And Paul Andreessen is here doing our engineering in Jason's absence. We're having a great time this Saturday morning, and we're very conscious of the weather outside. Be careful, particularly in the eastern parts of Atlanta right now, because severe weather is certainly moving in that direction for you. John is in Atlanta right now and joins us. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you this beautiful day in Atlanta? It's a cloudy, rainy, wet day, isn't it, John? (laughs) Oh, it sure is. But, you know, it's summer. It doesn't hurt. Yeah, what can I do Uh, for you? Uh, I've got a, uh, as you call it, a perennial bamboo problem, a question. <laughs> is, there, is there any way to really control it or kill it once it gets established? Yeah. We have some that was planted about 20 years ago, and it was planted to uh, on the side of a, a hill in, uh, around the backyard to prevent erosion. 
Uh, and it did its job. It mm-hmm. really did. But now it's creeping into the backyard. Do you want to keep it on the hill and just keep it from your yard? Yes, I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to retain it. The, you, know, you know, some folks have said the only way you can, you know, control bamboo is to get rid of it. Uh, Not but, necessarily uh, it, true. There are barriers that work really well, but the yeah. the work <laughs> involved in putting in a barrier is going to be daunting. Oh, sure, sure. But you still have to do it the right way. And if you do it the right way, barriers can keep them in what keep the bamboo uh, rhizomes in one area and out of your lawn, and then you just control it in your lawn and get rid of it there. And the erosion control is, uh, is still working, and the bamboo doesn't make a make a mess out of your yard. The barrier stuff, John. There's two or three um, products that do barrier barrier work. I guess you'd call it. There's a place over in Alabama, and <clears throat> if you just, I guess, Google the words "bamboo control Alabama," and uh, look at their website, they have a very thick rubber membrane that they make in various lengths and widths, and you dig a trench around the bamboo, around the edge of the property where you want the bamboo not to go anymore and drop this uh, rubber stuff in there, and it has materials to seal it at any edges that you have as well. And so you keep the bamboo from going anywhere simply by blocking the rhizomes from being able to pass through the soil by this barrier. You can also use aluminum, you can use uh, fiberglass or other products that use both of those materials too. But if once it gets into your lawn, the key there, as much as I've said many times, is simply to eradicate any leaves of the plant because you're starving the bamboo by chopping off or spraying herbicide on the leaves. As long as you starve the roots, they will gradually wither and go away. It'll take about uh, two years to get all that done, but you can, you can control it. You can eradicate it from areas where you don't want it. Yeah, how deep does a trench have to be? I think three feet is minimum. Three feet is about right. Uh, you don't have to okay. go to six feet or anything like that, but three feet. And honestly, John, if it's more than five or six feet long of the trench, I would rent a ditch witch trencher. They're easy to rent. They don't cost all that much. And boy, they do a nice job trenching. Ditch witch is the one that I used uh, to do my barrier in my backyard against something else. And um, that worked fine. You don't have to use a shovel. Just to get a ditch witch. Crank it up and go. Yeah, well, I have had some success in uh, cutting the stalk about... Uh, a foot, foot and a half uh, above ground, and then taking an ice pick and breaking the membrane that's there mm-hmm. about every uh, foot or two, sure. and pouring Roundup or bleach uh, in it. And uh, I, my my theory was that it would absorb that in mm-hmm. in the uh, root system itself and kill it. And that I've had some success doing that. It'll move a, I, a little ways in the root system. You're right. The Roundup particularly moves in the root system a couple of feet both directions from the place where you where you place it. But it doesn't go 20 feet. If you've got a rhizome that's 20 feet long, it's not going to go from one yeah, spot not, 20 feet down yeah, some, the way. So, I, I, have, I have pulled up <laughs> a root system that was about 15 or 20 feet right, long. Right. Uh, I have. Uh, do you have time for one other quick question? Oh, quick, sure. The, uh, and this has to do with uh, the panhandle in Florida. I, I don't know if you're familiar with that area. Yeah, but, but the beach uh, we have there, some sure. property down there, and we're having uh, we're having condo wars uh, about <laughs> what's the best time of day to, to water the grass. Yeah, and I'm I'm saying to everybody between seven and nine, and they're saying no, no, no. It should be done between one and three in the morning. Uh, which is the the appropriate time to water grass? Either one of those, I think, would be fine because you're not lengthening the wetted period of the grass blades. As long as you're not doing it, let's say, 5 p.m. in the afternoon so that the grass gets watered at 5 p.m. and it stays wet, dew, and everything for all night long and this is the next morning until 9 or 10 a.m., that's a long time for grass to be wet and not 
find a fungus that wants to infect, infect it. Right. So if you do it in the middle of the night, it's not increasing the, the amount of time that it is going to be wet from dew and you know natural humidity down there. And if you do it in the morning, uh, it's going to be dried off pretty quickly too. So I think either one of those would work. You decide which one you you, you believe well, in and go for that. But I don't think either one's going to matter much. All right. I was I was thinking the seven to nine would be better because the sun would be up at that time and it would be baking the water off the leaves quicker. Yeah, maybe, but I don't think it's going to make that much difference. Okay. All right. All right then, John. We will see you Thank soon, you. my friend. Thank you very much, and I look forward to you coming out here with a shovel and trench in my backyard. <laughs> Good luck. You keep waiting on that. We'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll see you, John. Bye-bye. Gary's in Stone Mountain and joins us on Lawn and Garden. He doesn't want me to come to his house and dig up his nimble wheel, does he? <sighs> no, he doesn't. Hey, Gary, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What you got? Well, I have a St. Augustine lawn, and I have identified a grassy weed called nimble wheel. Well, what does it look like? Let me make sure you're right. Okay, it uh, kind of looks like a, a, a thin-bladed Bermuda grass. That's number one, you're close on it so far accurately. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, well, I've found a herbicide that can be used on St. Augustine grass, but I, what concerns me is that it says it's for sod only, like for sod farms. Mm. And um, so I was thinking about just testing a portion of the lawn with this herbicide, and that's that's what I want your opinion on. Which, which herbicide is it? You go ahead and tell me what it is. It's Tenacity. Yeah, Tenacity is uh, commonly used on cool season lawns. Is it, is it labeled for use on St. Augustine from turf farms? Yeah, I'm look, well, I'm, I'm looking at the EPA label right now. Yeah. Test it and see. That's the best you can do. Test it and see. It tends to bleach out fescue a little bit. It makes it turn sort of white for two or three weeks after you use it on cool season grass, fescue in, in Georgia. I don't know what it would do to St. Augustine if it bleaches St. Augustine or not, but... Um, That's why I want to test it. Yeah, test it and see what happens and use your judgment after that. Okay, it's a, the rate is amazing. It's four ounces per acre. Yeah, right. It's one of the reasons tenacity <laughs> is so expensive, number one, but also very yeah. effective, number two. It doesn't take much to do a long, big area. I calculated out it's half a teaspoon for my 1,000-square-foot test. How much did it cost, Gary? Oh, I don't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I understand. It's, it's $67 for an 8-ounce bottle. <sighs> but Gary it, loves his St. Augustine lawn. He wants that nimble wheel gone. I do. Well, it started It, it started out in the back <laughs> of the property, and um, it. I'm, I've never seen it. Uh, see, this, I've looked at images, and the yeah. seed heads are really tiny. Yeah. But I yeah. must be spreading it with my lawnmower. Because I, it's now it's showing up in sunnier parts of the lawn, so I got to do something. If you just had one spot, Gary, it would be perfectly fine and a whole lot cheaper to go out and spray Roundup in that spot, kill the nimble wheel, and then let the thing obviously grow into the spot over the next you know month or two and cover it up that way. That's a lot cheaper than using tenacity. But if you have a great big lawn, I can see why you would want to use the more expensive and more effective herbicide. So it'll work, but it just costs money. Yes, sir. All right, Gary, you made oh, one your choice. Other quick, one other quick question about yeah. it. It says to use a surfactant. I've never used a surfactant before. Yeah, okay. Can you give me advice on that? Yeah, it's usually surfactant is a chemical or an oil that helps the chemical, the herbicide in this case, to spread across the leaves of a plant to make sure it's absorbed very 
you know, uniformly through the leaf of the plant. And you know when you spray water on an English ivy leaf, how it sort of beads up because of wax on top of the leaf. And surfactant, even detergents are sometimes used as surfactants, but I would not use Dawn or Ivory or something like that. I would buy a surfactant. You can buy these surfactants for pretty cheap. It's like $5, lots cheaper than the herbicide, but the surfactant is mixed in with the herbicide and the water and uh, just helps to spread on the grass. Yeah, I didn't see anything on uh, on the label that said uh, any particular type of surfactant. So um, that, that's kind of I want. I guess if I go to Pikes, that the, they can tell me what I need to get. I bet they can't because they don't sell much. <laughs> I would go online. I'd go to one of the uh, lawn turf sites and just say. I'm what talking is about it? the. I'm talking about the surfactant. Yeah, the surfactant. Pike doesn't sell a surfactant, to my knowledge. They sell okay. products that are already mixed with surfactant, so they don't have to sell the surfactant separately. So. Um, you know, Roundup and things like that have a surfactant already mixed in with the with the chemical. So I would say go online and just say what is a good turf surfactant and okay. use that. Good deal. All right, then. Have fun. Thanks, Gary. We'll see you, man. It is Alice's turn. Alice is on Alpharetta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Alice, good morning. Hey, Walter. Thanks All for right. taking my call. Sure. I've got a huge big bed in my front yard that gets sun all day, no shade whatsoever. Yeah. And deer are around here and all that. And it was planted with li- Celadora lilies, and those petered out and got all thin and stringy and didn't work anymore. So I dug it all up, and I put black and blue salvia and comb flowers in the back, yeah. Georgia blue veronica in the front, and I had a bunch of yarrow, probably 25 plants in between, and those things need watering every day, and I'm not about to water them every day. And I need something low maintenance that can handle the sun and doesn't need much water or anything because it's, I don't know. So I, I don't know whether to go ahead and put the lilies back or just dig up all the yarrow or the monkey grass. or I'm not quite sure so, what to do with so it. So what you're asking is you're saying the yarrow is what's dying, the yarrow needs watering every day? Yes. And that's just not going to happen at my house. Yeah, it's not my experience. Yarrow is generally pretty drought-tolerant for me. I'm not sure why yours needs watering all that much. It's probably half of them are dying. Hmm. And And you've got good soil. You've prepared the soil real well when you made the bed, and everything's taken care of in that direction, right? kind of. Kinda. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would think that yarrow would be the choice for that kind of situation. I would consider digging everything that's dead up, reamending the soil, and if you like yarrow, whatever color you like, put it back in place. I'd, I'd still think of yarrow as being a pretty drought tolerant uh, perennial. Okay. Okay, because you don't think, I just don't know what happened to the Stelladora lilies. They just, they look like thin blades of grass, and they never had flowers. Yeah, so they, that that's pointing me towards Alice's soil needs some more amendments. Something's not draining right, or something's going on with the soil situation. That's okay. what I think's going on. If, the, if Stelladora does not look good, then something's not right with the roots in the soil. Okay, so just dig it up and put... Um, the mushroom stuff and yeah, I would wait till <clears throat> I'd wait till when October maybe when it's cool. You don't have to do it right now but unless you care to do it in the heat. But no. sometime in the fall, I would just dig, take everything out, lay it on the side, dig the new bed, reamend it, <clears throat> plant things in the soil, and then let let that be that. Plant a new new bed from the plants that you have there. Okay, and just hope that they survive this summer. Keep your fingers crossed. I'll keep mine okay. crossed for you. You keep yours crossed. We'll we'll get them through the summer. Okay. All right. Thank you. Hey, it's great talking to you, Alice. 
404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. It's 749. We'll be back after this. Get breaking news, weather, and traffic updates all weekend on WSB, the WSB radio app. Then Monday at Atlanta's Morning News, Kirk Mellis updates a stormy start to the week with his five-day forecast. And there's a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. There is, of course, a severe thunderstorm warning for Walton, Newton, Putnam, and Morgan counties until 745 this morning. High of 89 today, low of 71 tomorrow, just about the same. Lots of clouds, high of 89, low of 72 overnight. And again, the tone that you're hearing, it'll go away pretty quickly here, but the tone you hear during the broadcast is the indicates there's a severe thunderstorm watch. When you hear that, there is a thunderstorm watch going on. And Jill Nelson says... Everybody south of Atlanta, look out for flooding. There's lots of flooding going on, lots of trees down right now. So wherever you're driving, be careful, be safe. The rain that came through has really caused a lot of problems, a lot of traffic backups. So check your traffic app, the WSB traffic app, and see how to get wherever you need to go this morning because it is going to be a mess for at least a couple of hours as the weather moves through. We go to the phones with uh, Wanda this morning. Hey, Wanda, good morning. No, Wanda's, there she is. Hey, Wanda. Extra ice and six oatmeal raisin cookies. Wanda, hey, you're on Lawn and Garden. Hey. Hey, Wanda, what's up? I want to start a garden in my backyard. Yeah. Yes. And I want, I want to know what do I need to do. I don't know what to do. Oh, I've got, a, got the thing to do. Number one, is the garden, is the area where you want a garden, is it sunny or shady or what do you have? So I have a little bit of both in my backyard. That's kind of one of the questions I wanted to know, too. Should I put it in sun or should I put it in shade? Sun, sun, sun. The more sun you have, the better the vegetables will grow and the more you'll have of them. So that's the first thing to do is to dig the area up to make it nice and soft. And then while okay. there's still plenty of time to plant a couple of tomatoes, and because you're a beginner, don't try to do everything. Don't try squash and watermelon and corn and okra and everything else. Dig up an area three feet by three feet, plant two tomatoes in it. Call me in a couple of weeks and ask me more questions because that is exactly how you start as a beginning gardener. We'll have you being an expert within a couple of months. Thank you. I All appreciate right. it. I look forward to talking Bye -bye. to you, Wanda. It'll be a lot of fun to talk about how you become a beginner gardener and how you become better than that every day. It's 7.58. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news.